All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by Blogging Dirty's Raekwon Gilbert. We're going to be talking about the 2018 scouting combine and how it may affect his own process and potentially the Falcons. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ray, welcome back to the show, my friend. Raekwon, you are a contributor to Blogging Dirty. Yeah, you guys know him as RxGilbert97 on Twitter. For those of you that don't know me, that are listening to this podcast for the first time, I'm Aaron Freeman, the host of this podcast, also the founder of Falcfans.com, one of the longest-running Falcon fan sites on the internet, and also Falcfans on Twitter. So welcome back to the show, Raekwon. Uh, thank you, man. It's glad to be back. We got the scouting combine. Um, I think players report the day this episode goes up or something like that. And they'll start the the process of doing the interviews and then they'll get to the on-field drills and, and all that type of stuff And over the course of the weekend. I'm curious, is this the time of year that really starts to get you excited about the draft process? I know you do a lot more stuff during the fall than I do because I'm, I'm just solely focused on the Falcons and, and don't really get the college yeah. stuff till January, but I'm, I'm curious if this is sort of for you, like the, the beginning or, or like one of the early portions of peak draft season. Well, you know, just like uh, many other fans, you know, after the Super Bowl, it's kind of like, you know, any way you can get a little bit of football and you try to get it. And the combine is a good way just to get ready for the next guys coming up. And for me, you know, when you're studying all year for guys and me, I have, I have a bad problem sometimes where I look, have a, like a Falcon filter when I watch players do they fit for our team and you know there's a couple of guys that I've been very excited just to get to see in the combine you know and just to hear how they do in interviews a lot a whole lot better just to get a sense of who they are as a person and what how do they shake up with the team okay well let's let's get into that and I'm curious sort of looking at your your Falcons bent are there some particular guys that you're sort of eager to see how they work out and, and maybe can blow up a little bit in terms of uh, their their draft status and, and get a little bit more buzz from, you know, more outside this little small circle of, of draft nicks that the fans at large, because, you know, what happens is these guys run these fast 40s and all of a sudden people are like, oh, this guy ran a 4.36, we should draft him because he's super, super fast. Um, or maybe there's the opposite where there's a couple of guys that you're kind of hoping that you have on your Falcons radar that you kind of hope bomb this draft process coming up a little bit. And maybe they could slide a little bit later in the draft where they'll be in a better position for the Falcons to, to pick. Well, you know, wide receiver may not be the biggest need on the team, but there's a guy, DJ Moore from Maryland. He's a guy that I kind of, I kind of know when he gets to the combine, he's going to thrive in that type of area and that type of environment. And, I kind of hope and wish that, you know, he doesn't – I I never wish somebody not do good, perform at their best, but I don't hope that a lot of teams start to catch on a little quicker because, to me, I believe he's the number one, two, the number two receiver in this class. He's just a whole other level as a slot receiver. But there's also two guys at defensive line, uh, Andrew Brown out of Virginia and Nathan Shepard out of Fort Hayes State. Those two guys are kind of underrated guys, you know, they'll – you know, Nathan Shepard came out of a small school. He's not a, there's a lot of question marks behind him. And Andrew Brown played in the three-man set in Virginia. But, you know, those two guys, to me, once they get on the field and they come by and go out through the workouts, 
they're going to blow people's minds and as far as the athletic standpoint, and then we're going to start hearing more more buzz as to where their stock lays down to. But to me, those two guys, Andrew Brown and Nathan Shepard, are two guys that to me really will blow the combine, and they're going to get the most attention out of that defensive line. I'm curious, how do you factor the combine into your own sort of evaluation? You know, certainly you want to see, you know, the guys that you look on the tape and on the film look athletic, you want them to, you know, to sort of check those boxes. That's how it's often phrased. But I'm curious sort of, you know, I know for me personally, I'm not really good at necessarily telling this guy is a great athlete and this guy's going to run a 4-4 as opposed to a 4-5. Like, I, I can't really tell that difference uh, by and large um, when I'm watching film. And I'm just sort of curious how you sort of factor in all this testing stuff and, and the measurements and all those sorts of things in your own process? Well, I think for me, mostly you have to remember to step into the combine before anybody runs a 40 or bench press how many pounds, how many times. You have to remember that the film tells it all. You have to remember to come in with a, a kind of an even set mind. Just remember that the film is going to be what you go back on and look at. But it really just shows you what type of athlete these guys are. You know, for us as fans, you know, and much of the media, we don't really get to see pro, uh, pro, um, much of the pro days and private workouts. So, you know, people are a little more people are a little more comfortable in their own setting, maybe pro days and pro, maybe sometimes private, com, uh, private workouts. But the combine, you know, everybody's going to be on stage. So, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a mix 40 times. There's going to be some, some people run fast, some people don't. But I don't really look towards look too more towards them so much as how good they do. But I'm just looking a little bit towards some like some guys like James Daniel out of Iowa, who you know most people are going to expect to be more explosive than guys out of Billy out of uh, like guys like Billy Price out of Ohio State. You know I'm kind of watching between you know the offensive line guard group just to see how those guys do deep down the line and see how they do throughout the three cone drill, which everybody knows is Tom Dimitrov bread and butter right there. So, I mean, I'm just trying to get a, a good glimpse of how they fit out as an athlete. All right, guys, we got more to discuss. But first, I want to remind the listeners that if you want to get the skinny on this year's combine, then subscribe to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast as hosts John Ledger and Trevor Sikama will be both on hand to cover the entire week of workouts on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Find it wherever podcasts can be found now, including Spotify. Yeah, so uh, I'm curious sort of where's your head at, particularly with these offensive line, these interior offensive linemen. Do you feel like this is going to be a priority for the Falcons early in the draft? There's been a lot of buzz about them possibly even going that way in the first round. And um, Isaiah Wynn's been a name that's been mentioned a number of times, certainly on this podcast. Um, I'm curious sort of how you're looking at this offensive line group. Well, to me, I feel like the offensive line is going to be one. It's going to be a group in, in position need where, if the top tier group of players, James Daniel, Billy Price, and maybe even Frank uh, Renault out of uh, Arkansas, all those guys are gone, then we already know the top guys like Quentin Nelson and Isaiah Wind. I feel like those guys are going to be gone out, out the out real really quick. So, I feel like if those top tier guys are gone, then that saves up how Atlanta is going to draft out the rest of the uh, rest of the draft. I feel like some they may trade down, but to me personally, I like I like the best chances right now would be Isaiah Wynn, but that's kind of the perfect match. And there's too many teams 
above us in the draft that have those same needs. And I feel like they're going to be a grab at him quickly. So I, you may see a move down uh, where Atlanta tries to train out a couple of spots, just get a few picks. But to me, I feel like if the offensive line, if the offensive line that Atlanta wants isn't there, don't take him. I feel like we might go corner in the first round. You might never see that because there's a lot of defensive linemen in the first round. The Vita Vey, Maurice Hurst, and Devon Payne, Taven Bryan. Once of that, there's kind of a big slope as in value right there. So you don't want to overdraft someone, but also you do want to take the best available player for a good need. And to me, I feel like corner may be the, may be the position that someone may lean towards a little bit more if they don't see the guy they want in that at the number one spot. Okay. Um, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking if if the offensive lineman they want, the D tackle they want isn't quite there, then maybe they might pull the trick on a corner. Is there any sort of specific guys that you're sort of looking at that could be in that range for the Falcons? Uh, you know, if you look through anybody's rankings and how they uh, put up their corners, there's a lot of – you get a lot of different ones. You got uh, Quinn Meeks out of Stanford, Isaiah Oliver, who I really love out of Colorado, but – I think that there's a guy to me that that if we had to take a corner number one, I'm okay with Mike Hughes out of uh, UCF. He, I feel like he was a guy that, I, I, that can step in and play nickel or outside. Um, he's very aggressive, good at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I know Atlanta plays more of a cover three heavy zone, but I feel like he he can fit in that scheme to me. But I think he can kick inside and be a star nickel back. And if if injury comes to either Robert Off or Desmond Trufant, he can step in and play outside too. Yeah, I, I like Mike Hughes from what I, I've seen of him, but I, I should let people know that cornerback is probably the, my worst position in terms of evaluating guys. Yeah. I, I tend to miss way more on corners than any other position group. So even yeah. if if I if I like Mike Hughes, you, you might as well take it with a grain of salt because that that could very well mean that he he won't be very good. It's very it's very easy to fall in love with some corners because you you know you don't always see the talent level with the receivers they go against. But I feel like this year I'm willing to bet my money on Mike Hughes of being the kind of the blowout player out of this draft at corner. Okay. Um, you mentioned some of the D tackles. Are there any guys looking in that top group? It seems like the consensus top five in some order, depending on who you talk to, it consists of uh, Mo Hurst, Maurice Hurst, Vita Vea, uh, Deron Payne, Taven Bryan, and Harrison Phillips sort of rounding out that top five. I'm curious, do you feel like one or more of those guys could really sort of light up the combine this week and, and suddenly thrust themselves? Is this an opportunity for for those guys to really distinguish themselves from one another and, and create more of a, a consensus ranking within that top five? Oh, I definitely think those top three, I think the top three, Vita Vey and Taven Bryan and Devon Payne, those three guys are going to kind of blow over the top, especially Vita Vey, because there's always, uh, rumor, there's already rumors out there that he's ran a four to eight, four, nine at three forty plus right now. And people are putting out this spitting image of Don Terry Poe. But at the same time, I feel like there's, there's a little cautious sometimes for me with players like Vita Vey, because, you know, I'm not really asking for that position. I'm asking them to play. It's kind of hard for me to match up the value there, but I feel like definitely guys, guys like uh, Taven Brown, also another guy who I feel like is going to really blow it up. Expect to um, have a good combine, but Devon Payne, Devon Payne to me is probably going to show each other, show the uh, scouts on that he's a little more fundamental technique wise more than the others, and a little more stable. So he's going to be the safest out of that whole group. But Harrison Phillips is also a guy that 
you know, he's not as athletic as the other ones, but if he put on a nice, you know, rump, give a good 10-yard split and show good and throughout the workouts, he's also got to maybe rise in the future. Yeah, it'll be interesting to sort of see how he tests because it does seem like there's a big gap between the other guys in terms of athleticism and Harrison Phillips. But I do think if he can sort of close that gap with a, a good testing, you know, I don't expect him to light the world on fire or anything like that. But if he can test better than people yeah. thought, um, I'm always reminded of a guy like, maybe this is not a, a good comparison, but I just remember Luke Keekley when he came out, um, he was a guy that on film at Boston College didn't really show you top-level athleticism. He always seemed like a guy that got by more on awareness and, and smarts and intelligence than necessarily being this top-level athlete. And then he goes to the combine and tests as good as any linebacker um, that we had seen in recent years. And it, all of a sudden, it was like, oh, yeah, even though he was already solidified as a first-round pick, now a team, after that point, a team pulling the trigger on him in the top 10 like Carolina eventually did, now it doesn't seem as much of a, a you know, a quote-unquote reach um, in terms of t- taking a, a, you know, being labeled more of a try-hard, instinctual guy as opposed to a guy that has instincts plus the athleticism and you sort of see um, Keekly, you know, living up to that billing and, and being, you know, arguably the best inside linebacker in the NFL. And so, you know, maybe Harrison Phillips won't do that, but that's certainly if he does test better than people expect him to and shows that he's an athlete comparable to some of those other top-end guys, then that certainly will help him and and move up his draft stock. Of course. Now, before we move on, maybe you're listening to this and you're completely over the combine and you're looking forward to free agency. Well, my friends, you were in luck as the host of Locked on NFL, Matt Williamson is breaking down the top free agents at each, at each position group over the next week or so. So check out Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Find it wherever podcasts can be found, now including Spotify. So, uh, Raekwon, um, are there any other sort of draft takes? Maybe some, some later round guys. We talked quite a bit about the early round guys, but maybe some later round guys that, you know, particularly, you know, often it's the case where guys are smaller school guys or aren't sort of these high-profile guys that you've seen maybe some flashes of and suddenly they go to the combine this week and all of a sudden, you know, they were thought of as a late-round, seventh-round type of guy and then they blow it up. And, like, the player that immediately jumps to mind is um, Samson Ekuban, who the Rams took in the fourth round last year who's the the pass rusher out of Eastern Washington. And he was a guy that if you watched his film, you would be like, oh, yeah, he's good. Uh, he'll, he might be in the mix as like a sixth or seventh round pick. And then he goes and tests as well as he did and winds up being a fourth round pick for the Rams as sort of like the heir apparent behind Robert Quinn and, and Connor Bar- Barwin and Wade Phillips' 3-4 often, uh, defense. Um, I'm curious if there's maybe some some sleeper guys that you're hoping – may uh, get the opportunity to shine in this upcoming week. Uh, going back to the defensive line, you know, a lot of people talk a lot about North Carolina State with Bradley Chubb, and I feel like they didn't give enough credit uh, to Justin Jones and B.J. Hill, the defensive tackles coming out there. They both played in the senior bowl, and they kind of, you know, caught the attention of a lot of scouts because, you know, B.J. Hill was being, you know, the big nose tackle who was very strong and agile and 
also can develop some skills as a pass rusher. And Justin Jones, to me, is kind of like he's in some ways he's kind of like that another squatty, low gravity um, defense tackle like Grady Jarrett. But he's he's a guy that to me is second, third year, he can go and blow up. But a guy that out of that whole group, I feel like who's going to come in and kind of like take attention of a lot of guys, Kentavious Street, I've North Carolina State defensive man. He's a guy that I feel like another guy at uh, NC State that once he get on the field and, you know, he runs a 40 and three cone, I think he, he may run somewhere around four seven four eight, and I think he's around like 282, 283. And he, he's that type of explosive guy that a lot of teams are going to look at and can see that he can play in different schemes. Universally, he can play in three-man front, four-man front. And, um, you know, other guys, like I feel like uh, Akron Wally out of uh, Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. Iowa, yeah, Akron Wally out of Iowa. I feel like he's another guy. You know, he's a little lighter than most running backs. I feel like he's one, I think he's 189, 191, a little lighter, but he's another guy that might come in, you know, and show a good, a great three cone, a three, a great three cone. Not, not probably running around four, five, four, four, forty. But he's another guy I feel like to step in right quick and kind of show guys, okay, he's a little better of an athlete than we thought, and we can see we can work with his skill. A lot of times, a lot of teams want to take the athlete and just work with whatever else that they've seen on film. But I feel like definitely that Kentavious Street out of North Carolina State will be that guy that, you know, most people didn't start thinking around tomorrow, probably six, seven rounds that may take a chance on him, maybe in the third, maybe even fourth round. Yeah, Kentavious Street is a guy that you constantly hear mentioned as a guy that's potentially going to blow up the combine uh, with some of the workouts that he's going to do. So I'm, I'm eager to see just how athletic he is. Watching him, watching that NC State defensive line, he did seem like the lesser of that group, but that's you know a testament not only to the, the other talent around him with Jones and Hill and, and obviously Bradley Chubb, who many expect will be a, a top 10 pick, um, and so I'll be curious. I, I need to go back and watch maybe some of his earlier film when I think he was playing as a true D tackle as opposed to a DN that he was often asked to be this past year. So he's a guy that I'm certainly, after the combine, will create some buzz and, and prompt many people to go back and, and rewatch, it, including myself. Um, Raekwon, is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap things up um, here? Maybe some Falcon takes, maybe some... Thoughts on free agency, maybe some thoughts on team needs that you feel compelled to uh, get off your chest? I've always – I kind of have this feeling getting close to the combine that if uh, Atlanta – they don't have – take the chance to sign a defensive tackle like Benny Logan, maybe uh, in the, uh, Benny Logan, Justin Ellis, or maybe even Chris Baker, then there's a, probably to me there's a higher chance of taking a guy like Derek, like Derek Noddy or Andrew Brown or – Tim Settle in the second or third round. I'm not biggest. I'm not the biggest fan on Via Vea as most people are in the draft. I feel like he's you know he's a kind of a late round, second round guy to me. I would love to see him in Atlanta, but I don't see the the you know the value or the time that most people see him. But I definitely think his guys going to blow up in the in the, the combine and you know see, be someone that a lot of people put their attention on. But a guy that I feel like most fans need to get behind is probably Anthony Miller from Memphis as a wide receiver. He's a guy that I feel like in the third round. I don't. I'm not too big in taking a receiver too early, but in second, third round, I feel like it's, 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 it'll be definitely time to take one for And Anthony Miller would be a guy to me. If you mentioned with Julio and Sanu and Justin Hardy, I feel like he's a guy that could definitely help Matt Ryan, especially on third downs and, you know, help attack him, see if uh, Steve Sarkeesian can get up on the offense. Okay, we'll see how that checks out. Ray Kwan, let the people know uh, where they can find you on Twitter and any 
upcoming uh, articles or projects that you're going to be working on? Um, you'll find me on Twitter at rxgilbert, G-I-L-B-E-R-T, 97. Uh, I'm always up for discussion, and um, I'm getting closer toward the combine. I'm going to start releasing a whole lot more Falcon-related draft uh, content, and definitely I will start getting a little bit more comfortable with uh, seeing some more of the uh, free agency moves that Atlanta can make towards the future. Okay, man. Appreciate you coming on, talking with me, uh, giving me your insights, and uh, look forward to talking with you again as we get a little bit closer to the draft after the combine, after free agency, and sort of we can start talking a little bit more like uh, that's has a little bit more um, substance. I, I, can't, I don't know that that's the right word I, should, I use, but it just seems like right now we're still in that sort of guessing phase of where the Falcons might go, but after yeah. the combine, after the after free agency, I think it, it will be a little bit more educated guessing, I guess we could say. Yeah, man. You know, it's always on to come here and talk football with you. All right, man. Appreciate it. Uh, all right. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, appreciate Raekwon for coming on and chatting with me. He's one of those uh, young up-and-comers in the Falcons Twitter slash draft Twitter community. So you guys definitely want to give him a follow if you want to get some uh, interesting insights. Raekwon um, has his own opinions. He's not one of these guys that goes along with groupthink. So I always respect him for that um, in in terms of, you know, if he says something, if he says he likes a guy or doesn't like a guy, there's going to be reasons for it. It's not just simply because he's jumping on a, on a bandwagon and saying, oh, this person said this about this player, and I really like what they, uh, you know, I, I respect that person's opinion, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that, you know, just basically echo their opinions. I say that because back in, in my younger days, when I was first getting into this uh, business, as you say, and it wasn't much of a business because I wasn't getting paid to do it, um, but, uh, you know, many, many years ago, back in the days of when Michael Vick and Travis Claridge and, and, and those guys were Falcon picks. Um, you know, some of you old school guys know what I'm, who I'm talking about. Some of you, some of you young whippersnappers are like, who? Um, with Claridge, not pick. But uh, yeah, you know, I didn't have the courage of my own convictions when it came to evaluating players. And so I would let people, other people's opinions influence me. And, and only re- only really in the last five or so years, I would, probably say that I've been a little bit more confident in my own opinions enough to to not let others influence me. I remember I can I can think of a, a relatively recent example not too long ago. Uh you remember that tackle ba- from Baylor and Jason Smith who was uh, I think the third overall pick in the in the 2010 draft. I think it was and um, the Rams picked him up and he sort of struggled and, and was out of league within four or five years. Um, I remember the first time I saw him play and my initial impression was, oh, this guy's a third round pick. This guy's a third round talent. You know, he's got, he's got some tools to work with, but this is not a top in player. And then, you know, that was probably like in September or October of, the, of that year, um, and then you just kept hearing more and more as the season wore on, like, oh, this guy's a first-round pick. He's a top – he might be the best tackle in the, in the draft. And then Baylor played uh, Texas, and Texas had Brian Arakpo. Um, well, maybe this was before 2010 because Arakpo was 09, wasn't he? Anyway, um, doesn't matter. Um, so 
I remember him going up against Brian Arakpo, and I thought he played really well against Brian Arakpo. I, I also wasn't a huge, huge fan of Arakpo. I can take an L on that one. Um, but And I was like, oh, this is why people think he's a, just top five pick. And so by the end, while we got to the draft process, I think I had him as one of my 10 best players in that draft class. And that sort of goes to, like, if I had stuck with sort of my courage of my convictions, that initial impression, you shouldn't put way too much stock, but I've learned over the years that oftentimes my first impression, often, not not all the time, but probably more than half, tends to be pretty good. My first impression of a player, um, had I had I been much more solidified with my first impression of Smith and not let other people's opinions ruin it um i probably would not have you know i would, would have been one of those guys like oh jason smith he's overrated it's not that good as opposed to sort of letting other people's perspectives influence mine and sort of using that as confirmation bias to sort of oh now i see the player that people are talking about i remember bud dupree not too long ago like watching bud dupree i was like yeah he's okay and um you know then he blows up the combine and everybody's like, oh, Bud Dupree, he's, he's great. He's the next Jamie Collins. And I'm like, I, I don't know if he's that good. Like, uh, you know, like uh, at least as a pass rusher. And, you know, that was one instance where it's like, yeah, Bud Dupree, you take him in the first round. Well, the Steelers got him in the late first. Like, I, I didn't have an issue with that. But talking about him being a top 10 pick, I was just like, yeah, I don't know about that. But, um, you know, he's 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 been okay in Pittsburgh. Nothing special. Um, so, you know, that's just the, something I've learned over the years, a little, a nice side note to pad out this episode, I, I guess. So, uh, let's wrap things up, uh, letting you guys know, um, no, the point of me telling that story was to say that I don't think Raekwon is like me. He, he's better than me than I, I certainly, I was at his age in the early twenties, uh, back, back in the day when Jason Smith was, was going through the process. I think I was probably in my mid twenties at that point, but, um, that was the point of that story. I got, I got sidetracked. Anyway, so if you guys want uh, comments, questions, if you want to hear about all my very many misses on, on past players, um, including the Brian Arakpos uh, of the world, uh, then I will be more than willing to let you know about them. And um, you can find out those that information by tweeting at me. My Twitter handle is FalkFans. If it's podcast-related, just let me know within the tweet. Uh, but if if it is a podcast related tweet, you might as well just send it over to the show's Twitter handle that is Locked On Falcons. Locked On Falcons is also the Facebook page if you prefer Facebook over Twitter as your preferred social media uh, platform. If you don't like social media at all, then by all means, my friends, you can definitely email me at lockedonfalcons at mail dot com. You can also visit LockedOnFalcons.com or FalkFans.com where the show is posted daily. Leave a comment there as well. That's another way to get your feedback in about the show. I want to remind you guys, I said on the previous episode, yesterday's episode, that there would be a two-round mock draft of trades posted on FalkFans.com. Uh, you can find that up. I, I was able to get that posted a, a few hours later than initially planned, but uh, certainly uh, as of Tuesday, it is live and ready to go. So definitely check that out. Just uh, had some fun with the trades. Um, you know, had some teams moving up for quarterbacks. You know, had some some veteran. You know, had Tyrod Taylor getting shipped away as part of one trade. 
had uh, Robert Quinn changing to moving to an NFC team in the north um, as part of that trade. Had a, 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 the Carolina Panthers trading for a starting tight end, uh, an heir apparent to Greg Olson um, with one of their trades as well. So some some veteran moves involved, some veteran players involved in some of these trades, just having some fun with it. Not at all realistic. Um, you know, maybe some of them, like some of with the court, people moving up for quarterbacks is quasi-realistic, but no Falcon trades involved. I probably should just to make things more interesting. I should have probably had the Falcons trading back um, into round two, um, but I didn't go for that, you know, spoiler alert, but um, definitely go check it out. An interesting mock draft, certainly, um, you know, someone... <laughs> Someone re- replied to it saying, I hate this mock, but it certainly would be make for a very fun first round and, and further explained that they hated it because it didn't necessarily net the Falcons, the players that they sort of have their eyes on. So uh, certainly definitely worth a look on, on FalFans.com. Probably after the combine is over uh, next week on LockedOnFalcons.com, I'll do a seven round updated mock draft if you didn't uh hear i did one last week you can check out an episode of this podcast where i went through those picks i'll probably wind up doing that you know someone joked with me that that's an easy way to get content up on this podcast and maybe that'll be something i'll do next week as we sort of wrap up our combine coverage and start pivoting towards free agency that is the plan uh as of now we will be back on friday i have someone booked um, for Friday's episode, so you can expect that I, 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 I won't promise that I won't flake on you guys like I did last week, but uh, um, I there is something planned, so there's like a ninety six percent chance that I don't flake on you guys this week. So definitely stay tuned for the rest of the week. We'll, we'll talk more combine with that guest, uh, particularly the quarterbacks, just because I know the Falcons aren't necessarily in the market for a quarterback, maybe I can get him to to recommend me maybe a, a guy, a late round, a day three guy that I should definitely check out, uh, potentially as a developmental backup. Uh, but um, the quarterback is going to guide this draft. And, it's you know, it may not have a direct impact on how the Falcons dra- draft, but if, if quarterbacks wind up going early in this draft, it's going to, you know, shuffle – you know, you got five guys that are potentially going to be first-round picks. Some people think six, potentially. Um, and, you know, if those guys wind up going really early in this draft, as one outcome. And, you know, if you go and look at my mock draft with trades on fivefans.com, four of those five guys were top seven picks, I think I had. Yeah, top six picks. So four out of the top six picks were quarterbacks. Um, that's going to shake up the draft because then all of a sudden – other guys that are at other positions will move down the board. And then maybe some of those mid-round guys that people are like, oh, yeah, that's a definite top 15 talent. That guy might slide into the 20s and, and maybe in the Falcons range. So this stuff is fascinating to me, the quarterback stuff from a league-wide standpoint. But if you're just, you know, hyper-focused on the Falcons, these sorts of things and how teams view quarterbacks could have a direct impact on the Falcons and who they might get in round one this year as well. So. That's definitely worth a listen to. Uh, Stay tuned to that uh, again on Friday. And in the meantime, stay locked on, you guys. Uh, We're almost 
we're we're getting there slowly but surely. I think we're about eight weeks away from the draft, so you know we're almost there. Until next time. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.